Welcome to the Renew Life Church Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. I don't um, specifically know how to ease into this message. I believe it's going to be uh, a little a little much, um, but it'll be okay. Uh, just kind of some of the stuff that's going on in our world today, some of the stuff that's going on in our nation today, I believe that a word like this is timely, uh, specifically for the body of Christ. Uh, it's time, if you haven't noticed, for us to become who God has said that we're supposed to become. And so if you're taking notes, you can title this message, uh, The Answer. Uh, we're going to go first, if you have a Bible, you can turn it to uh, Exodus chapter 32. If you don't, it'll be on the big Bible on the screen. We're going to go ahead and start in verse 7. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down because your people whom you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, whom brought you out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then, Moses, I will make you a great nation. But Moses sought favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off of the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all the land that I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on the people the disaster that he had threatened. Quite the, quite the exchange between Moses and God. Here, here God is literally displeased with the way that people have been living. They've corrupted themselves. They made gods that they serve. They gave their gods, their man-made gods credit for their success. They've turned from God in every single way. They're not following it at all. And he's burning with anger and he's going to just destroy them. And it's interesting to me how much this sounds like the world that we live in today. How, 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 how much it sounds like America today. People turning from God in every single way possible. People literally uh, uh, giving up their children uh, because they just don't want to raise them. All of these crazy things, we could make a giant list if we wanted to because everybody in the room could add something to the list. But God has seen this before. Verse 10 says, Now leave me alone that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. And Moses... I will make you into a great nation. Now, when I was reading this instantly, I thought of all the Texans that, that seemed to think it would be a wise idea for us to secede from the rest of the United States of America because we don't need them. That doesn't make any sense. Verse 11. But Moses sought favor of the Lord as God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? And, God, and Moses begins to stand in this gap between the people that literally are disobeying the Father, that are literally mocking God, creating other G.O.D.s, little G.O.D.s, uh, and serving them. And notice that in all of that scripture, Moses, 
He doesn't even deny any of the things that, Jesus, that, that, that the Father is even talking about. Yeah, they are stiff-necked. Yeah, there are people in the country. Yeah, there are people in the group of, of, of the children of Israel that are actually acting all of the ways that you're saying that they are God. But verse 14 says that the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster that he had threatened. One translation says that God just changed his mind. In this very moment, God found someone in Moses, a guy who once had, had made excuse after excuse for why he wasn't fit to be used by God to even lead this group of people out of Egypt. He finds in Moses in this one single moment a leader that would say, you know what, I don't agree with the things that they're doing, but I know that your heart towards them is pure, and I know that you love them in ways beyond description. I know that you've actually set things up for them because of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God, you promised some things to them. So I'll stand in the gap because I know that your love for them is true. And I'll stand in the gap between life and death for these people that I know are rejecting you. A leader rose up in Moses. Can I tell you that if Moses called for such an extreme act of mercy long before the blood of Jesus was ever shed for the sins of the world. How much greater of an act of mercy can Christians who know Jesus Christ and the work of his blood call for mercy upon the world that lives around us? God listened. God changed his mind. God found in someone, someone in Moses that would literally stand in a gap. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, it says this. It says that you, talking about you, this is Jesus, red letters, you are the salt of the earth. But if that salt loses its flavor, how shall it, the earth, be seasoned? It, the salt, is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. This is an interesting set of scriptures. Jesus is literally uh, talking about and preservation of meat. Obviously, back in this, in this time, there, is no, there are no freezers, there are no refrigerators, there are no deep freezes, there are nothing. There are no Yeti coolers and Yeti ice. It just didn't exist yet. Somebody back then might have thought about it. They just didn't have the technology. Maybe Yetis are from heaven. I don't know. But what they did do is they just poured salt on all of their meat, and the, and the salt literally was a preservative. It acted as a preservative so that when they were actually ready to eat the meat, they dusted the salt off of it, and they ate it. But if and when they tasted the salt that was used to cover the meat, preserve the meat, if that salt tasted anything like the meat, it all got thrown out. Jesus is teaching us that just as salt is designed to cure or preserve meat, Christians are designed to preserve the world around us. That's what he's saying. You are a preservative. When we as the members of, of the body of Christ begin to taste like those that we're trying to preserve, you could say that we've become tasteless. We've become of no effect. We're, we begin to taste like the world. We begin to think like the world, talk like the world, expect like the world, war like the world. All of a sudden, karma sounds better than grace. It's fascinating how prideful we get in into moments of, of pride when we talk about how salty we are. You know them. Don't point at them. Don't look at them. If they're you, just look forward. We hear these people that are like, what is, is what it is. I am who I am. I, I think it and I say it. If you don't like it, just unfollow me. No, they're actually that way because they want to be that way. 
they're actually that way because they want to be that way and they don't want to change. And if their fruit hasn't spoiled yet, just wait because it's going to. It's just pride. Regular old ugly pride. Hmm? It's just pride. We all got it. But we're working out of it. You know, I look across social media platforms and, and today I don't know who is and who isn't a Christian. I know the ones that have told me that they are. But with so many point, fingers being pointed at the other party across the aisle in the recent acts of, of evil in our country, I don't know who is and who isn't because everyone to me looks the same. It's super, super interesting. It's super, super sad that you see more people being marked safe from certain things than you do sharing the love of the Father. I get it, that it's your constitutional right to say what you want when you want. But at what point did you ever get permission to believe more in a constitutional right than you ever did a God-given commission? Like if, if, we, if we can't make disciples of the nations and teach them to obey the Lord, that we can't do that if we're not even accepting or believing or obeying the word of God that's set before us. Like how are we going to show anyone how to do it if we're not even interested in doing it? I know for some of you I'm stepping on your toes and you'll be fine. Might have been stepped on before too. They grew back. And Jesus did a miracle. Matthew chapter 5, 14 and 16 says this, one of my all-time favorite steps of, step, uh, sets of scripture. It says that you are the light of the world. This is talking to you again. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who enter the house. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and they glorify your Father in heaven. If you've been around me for any amount of time, you know that I love to preach on and think on and talk about positioning our light, not in an arrogant or prideful way, but in such a way that people see us elevated in our rightful place so that they actually just see the Father. Us positioning our light actually should point people and draw people to the Father. We've been given this task just to represent Jesus Christ to the world. Unfortunately, at times, the world has gotten a version of Christ, but I don't believe it's the version. Can I tell you, you don't have to tell people what is wrong with them. They already know. We already know our issues because we live with them. And no, they're not your wife. No, they're not your husband or your dog, but they're probably your cat. Definitely your cat. It's your cat that's the problem, and you should just get the cat out of the way, and everything will be fine. And all the dog lovers said, amen. Bless the Lord. What we need to stop doing is prophesying people's problems to them and start prophesying their answers. We ought to start telling them the answer, not the problem. When we open our mouths, what should flow out of our mouth is the answer, and it's just love, also known as God. But oftentimes, we'd rather not. We'd rather share other stories. We'd rather point other fingers. God might show you something that is wrong with someone. He might show you what someone is dealing with, but he does it with the intent and with the hope that maybe you would press into him to get their answer. 
If you've been afforded the ability to see someone's issues, also understand that you have the ability to press into God through prayer and get an answer to their issue before you ever told them their problem. But it feels better to our flesh to just tell them what's wrong with them. But how many times have you, have you been able to account, if you were to take tally marks, how many people came to Jesus Christ through your side comment on Facebook? Oh, it's a small comment, but it's great division. Oh, it's, it's easy and it's subtle, but it's causing great division. If you haven't noticed, evil doesn't have a skin color. It doesn't have a social status, an economic status. It doesn't uh, claim a party. It doesn't bleed red. It doesn't bleed blue. It has no side of the aisle. All that evil needs is one vessel to believe a lie. And what I'm doing today is I'm trying to provoke you and get you to dare to believe that you could be a part of the solution to fix this evil problem in our nation and in our world. That if you could just understand what you carry on the inside of you, that maybe you would actually see yourself as someone that could rise to the occasion and be a part of the solution. Can I tell you, it won't come through us prophesying against the people we're supposed to be preserving. It won't come through us speaking against the people we're supposed to be protecting. I'm telling you, you might not agree with them, but you're supposed to be protecting them. I'm telling you, they don't look like you, but you're supposed to be preserving them. I'm telling you, they might, not, they might talk differently than you are, but you're supposed to be preserving them. It's literally what Jesus said. It's red letters. You can't argue with the red ones. It's not gonna come through us telling them what their problem is. It's gonna come through us going into the secret place and pressing into the Father who's in the secret, who sees in the secret, and Him rewarding us openly. After all, aren't all of our comments on social media about us being seen? If you want to be seen, go into the secret place and let the Father who sees in the secret reward you openly. Then be seen. Then be seen. Because you know, every time you go into the secret place and you come out of the secret place, you begin to look more like the Father. And if evil is running rampant in our country, then we need more people representing and looking like the Father. I'm telling you, if you don't know how to do this, just go into the secret place. That's your room, that's your closet, that's wherever you get quiet and you don't leave the room until you know that God came and he was with you. It's that simple. Can I tell you, he's faithful to do it every single time that you get in there. If he showed up today like he showed up, he is no respecter of persons. Scripture says that he makes it rain on the just and the unjust, that he will meet you in your room if you'll go there. He'll meet you in your closet if you'll go there. And I'm telling you that when you get in there and you come out of there, you look better than you've ever looked before. Change is gonna come through the world seeing our deeds so differently that they actually just see the Father. I just refuse to tolerate it any longer. I just refuse to, to sit back and watch all of this stuff happen and unfold and, and not interject the love of the Father who is unconditional. I, I just, I, I refuse to sit on the sideline and, and watch the rest of the game go down and, and then be mad that we lost in overtime. And I didn't do a single thing about it. 
Come on, if we really care, and if we really carry what we believe that we carry, we would rise up to the occasion because I'm telling you, if you haven't noticed, the world needs us. We say, oh, uh, the world just needs God. Yeah, they do need God, but let me tell you how they, did they get God? They get it through you and they get it through me. If you haven't noticed, God isn't literally coming down and speaking audibly anymore. This is why I disagree with the thought that, that, oh, God needed them in heaven more than he needed them on the earth. We might just cross over some theology lines real quick. But if God's intention is to literally get people into the kingdom of heaven, out of the kingdom of darkness, and he's not coming down in God form like a person any longer, who's he going to do it through? Why would he remove the resource that he actually uses to get his love to people? It's us. It's you and it's me. Like I said, God's not surprised by any of the things that are going on. We literally just read a story in Exodus of the very same things. But what God found in the story of Exodus, what he found in that moment and in that time was a man in Moses who at one point said, I can't do this because I stutter. I can't do this because I'm not well-versed in speaking. I can't do this because I don't have elegant, elegant speech. But in the moment of Moses carrying what he's supposed to carry, knowing that he had the God on the inside of him that could literally change a world, he said, I'll stand in the gap for him. I'm just wondering, are there any Moseses in the room today? I'm just wondering if you could get past the thing that you don't have and receive the thing that could actually be the, be the change that people are looking for. God's not surprised by any of this stuff going on. He's probably more surprised that there are a bunch of people on the earth that have the answer and just refuse to share it. It's not gonna be me. And I pray like crazy that it's not you. And I know this is a little heavy and I know this isn't fun to listen to and I know it kind of rubs you the wrong way, but it's okay. If it does, good. Because there's a lot more at stake than what you can see and it has nothing to do with you being right. It has everything to do with someone being loved. What's love got to do with it? Absolutely everything. Plain and simple. We hope you loved our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great rest of your day.